from the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham. This is Due South on North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Was that Ronald Reagan I saw on the way in today? Oh, no, it was just a mask. It's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Later in the show, Leonita Inge and I try some fancy candy and sweets. We'll also hear a spooky story on this uh, festive Tuesday. Before that, let's get to the really scary stuff. The state budget. North Carolina's spending plan funds public schools, state parks, and other state agencies. And in this conversation, we're going to focus on a thousand-foot view of the state budget, how things have changed in recent years, and practically what those changes mean for you and me. To break it down, we're joined by WNC's Capitol Bureau Chief, Colin Campbell. Hey, Colin. Hey, Jeff. Originally, in the 1970s and earlier, a budget was passed once every two years. Then lawmakers came back in 80s and 90s, early 2000s, in off years to deal with surpluses and deficits, effectively update the budget. However, across the last decade, the timing of when budgets have been passed, it's really gone haywire. Remind us how it's gone haywire. Well, if you are a like local county or city government in North Carolina, you're pretty much statutorily obligated to get your budget done by June 30th, the end of the fiscal year. State lawmakers don't have quite as much of a uh, legal incentive to do it. They are supposed to get it done by June 30th of every odd-numbered year, uh, even-numbered years as well for that sort of updated budget that you mentioned. Um, but the problem is since they don't really have that impetus there, things tend to go a little bit further. And usually the issue is that the House and Senate don't agree on the specifics of the spending plan. Um, and those negotiations can drag on and on. And this year they dragged on until uh, well into September. Um, so right. a long period of time where we're just sort of playing hurry up and wait down at the legislative building. All right. So you mentioned June 30th. Well, we got through July and August and September and part of October until the budget w- really was enacted. Let's go Civics 101 here. Please remind me, the listeners, why we in the state didn't go the way of Congress and just shut down until this budget was finalized. Well, a few years ago, that was potentially the threat that we had. When I started covering the legislative building and you started covering it, Jeff, we had that period where we didn't quite know if we were going to get to the end of the fiscal year, if state government was going to be funded uh, going into the next few months. Um, They would have to pass what was called a continuing resolution, similar to what Congress does to keep spending going at the current levels. A few years back, they realized that was kind of scary to do it that way, and they instead set up a law that basically keeps the current spending levels in place for the new fiscal year until a new budget's passed. So we basically pretend we're on last year's budget. Nobody gets a raise yet. Uh, Any new programs that are going to get funded have to wait. Uh, But ultimately, the day-to-day of state government continues to operate, and most of us don't know there's the difference. So we revert to older or previous spending levels. It's almost like being on the highway. You can't accelerate. You're just at cruise control, and if traffic's passing, you're slowing down. Maybe you get into trouble, but you're still moving effectively. Yeah, exactly. So there's concern, you know, if if you're a teacher and you're starting the school year, you don't know what your salary is going to be. If you're a state employee, you've got to wait on that raise. Uh, But ultimately, you know, you're still going to go to work. You're still going to get a paycheck, and all the state government's... More or less normal. More or less normal. Practically, where has this been problematic or how have rank and file state workers or North Carolinians been adversely affected by a budget that doesn't come in for three months or or, or longer? Well, a lot of times if you if you stick other things in the budget like policy, in this case of this year, it was Medicaid expansion. You've got to wait on that. And there's a lot of uncertainty around the timeline for when these programs will start. There's also a fair number of things that get funded in the budget that are what are called non-recurring expenses. So basically, they're only funded for two years and then they have to essentially go to lawmakers, ask for more money, re-up it. And 
things in that category, those are running out of money. Um, so there may be some small programs that get put on hold for a period of time until the budget passes and they get another two-year piece of funding. Colin Campbell, WNC's Capital Bureau Chief, here with us in studio. If you have questions about the budget or for uh, Colin on this legislative beat, please find us at DoSouthRadio.org. Okay, so it's this unofficial deadline of June 30th. Putting you on the spot here, when was the last time that a budget was passed on or before June 30th? You know, it was, I think, four, six years ago um, we had one on time. I actually went back and looked all the way back into the 90s just to see what the date was. Mm -hmm. And it's really not at all unusual for them to jump into July and August, uh, dating back several decades before they get a budget to the governor. Uh, It's been more rare to get all the way to September, and it's almost unheard of to go past September, with the exception of uh, two years ago when there was a lot of negotiations with the governor since he's had uh, veto powers that year. There was not a supermajority, and they negotiated all the way up until November. Um, And then we've also had years when we didn't get to an agreement, and there was no budget. There wasn't, but because, as you mentioned before, there was this law passed in 2015 that reverts to previous spending levels. It allowed government to continue to operate. And we went, at one point, more than 36 months without a new state, comprehensive state spending plan. Yeah, sort of a double-edged sword, right? right. You uh, keep government funded and you don't have that sort of touch-and-go thing that Congress does every so often. But it also means less pressure to get the deal done. And then the passage of time almost becomes a negotiating tool uh, where both sides are not that eager to get in the room and get it hashed out tomorrow. Because at the end of the day, you know, government's going to keep running. Let's hone in on some of the major elements of this state spending plan that went into effect earlier this month. It it seems to me the most notable provision is Medicaid expansion. Medicaid, reminder, is the hybrid federal state health care system for people living in poverty and or with disabilities. More than half a million people will benefit from this expansion. Who are these people, if you can give us a sense of that, and when will coverage begin? Uh, These are typically people who do have jobs, so they're not below the poverty level that already qualified them for Medicaid, but they're in a position where a lot of them cannot afford and don't have access to uh, traditional health insurance through their employer, uh, couldn't necessarily afford it through the Affordable Care Act marketplace, uh, and those folks are now eligible uh, as of December 1st to get Medicaid expansion. We're one of the last few states that was a holdout on that. Most states have had that in place for a pretty good chunk of time since the Affordable Care Act was passed, you know, more or less a decade ago. You mentioned the Affordable Care Act, and I can't help in my cynical mind but go to, oh, yeah, they passed that, and then they tried to run it back about 800 times. Is this Medicaid expansion something that is going to continue to be ostensibly a political football, or do, do we think, best we can tell, that it's going to be part of North Carolina Health and Human Services moving forward? I think it will be, uh, in part because the only one of the only reasons that Republicans finally decided let's move forward this in North Carolina is they came to the realization that, you know what, Congress, under a variety of different uh, political scenarios, wasn't able to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Therefore, it's much more stable as a federal program, whereas before they were worried, hey, if this gets repealed, the North Carolina taxpayers are stuck holding the bag for this. And do we really want to take that risk? Another big debate has been the tax code reduction of uh, income and corporate rates. Remind us where that heads as we head into uh, the next tax cycle, tax season, and what that means practically for folks. Yeah, so the um, personal income tax rate will be dropping uh, bit by bit for the next few years through 2026 under this budget. Those are tied to revenue targets. So if we do have a recession and those targets don't get met, then those tax cuts get put on hold for the Mm -hmm. time being. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 
a fraction of a percentage point per year for most people. So it's really, I, I think if you're a family making like $75,000 a year, you're saving a couple hundred bucks on your tax bill. So it's not a ton. No. Uh, if you're at the higher end, obviously that will be more because this isn't across the board. This isn't just, you know, increasing the standard deduction as they've right. done in years past. Right. Okay. Uh, sometimes during this budget process, lawmakers try to sneak proposals in, provisions that uh, may be unpopular, and they work them or try to work them into the budget at the last minute. There was a fairly extreme example of that this year. Uh, tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So we uh, uh, part of why we, the budget was so late was this casino proposal got in there to put casinos in four rural counties across the state. This was something that didn't come up during the normal legislative process. No one ever even filed a bill with this proposal in it during the bulk of the session this year. Uh, but this sort of emerged as a, a backdoor discussion, backroom discussion in the final months of the budget process. Uh, drafts were leaked of this. There was a lot of outcry, particularly among some of these conservative rural communities uh, that didn't necessarily want a casino in the, their backyard and didn't want it to come out through this uh, process without public hearings, without a whole lot of deliberation. Um, and that ultimately uh, delayed the budget and eventually got dropped from the budget because the outcry was just too much on the Republican side for them to get it through. Notably, Phil Berger, Senate pro tem, Republican of Rockingham County, the most powerful politician in North Carolina, was at the center of this debate, partially because he's the most powerful person in North Carolina politics, but also because one of the casinos uh, would be in Rockingham County. Will there be blowback to Berger? Do you expect him to face a primary challenge? That'll be what's interesting. The sheriff of his county, obviously sheriffs are generally pretty popular, is running for lieutenant governor and was sort of leading the charge against the casino proposal. Uh, so whether Berger gets a primary will be interesting to see. Uh, what's interesting about the casino proposal is Berger says it's not dead. It may come back up in the short session, but that's after the primary. So mm. we'll know by then if he had a challenge and if it was a success, successful challenge. Another surprising provision pertained to public records and uh, lawmakers trying to obfuscate some of their own correspondence uh, from public view. Tell us a little more. Yeah. So uh, usually in North Carolina, if you want to see the emails sent to a politician or sent from an elected official, you can get it. Now you still can if it's the governor, if it's the mayor, if it's some other uh, branch of state government. The legislative branch has now exempted itself. Uh, they claim they're just uh, essentially updating the rules and uh, making it more clear uh, because they tried to claim in some cases that they weren't uh, required to produce public records anyway. Uh, but this has produced a pretty big backlash from uh, both folks on the right with the John Locke Foundation, the North States Press Association is very much against it because uh, this ultimately puts a lot of what they're doing away from public view. And if you want to see who brought up casinos or things like that, those records are now private and the lawmakers can decide whether or not to release it or whether to destroy it. I mean, as we've talked about, that there there will be more to I think talk about that on that front. I would expect a legal challenge. Oh, for sure, uh, yeah. yeah. Unless it's already happened and I've missed it. But no, they, there was a strongly worded letter that um, I guess the Press Association and Locke Foundation put to say, please repeal this. But I suspect, is, unless they're running out of their legal budget at the Press Association, we'll see something. Colin Campbell is WNC's Capitol Bureau Chief. It's a good job. I can speak from personal experience. Colin, thanks for joining us here on Do South. You're welcome, Jeff. You're listening to Do South on North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. Remember, you can email us with any questions you might have about our budget conversation or thoughts about what is playing out with your state government. Anything else, uh, for a matter of fact, that's on your mind, just send us an email, south at wunc.org. Coming up next, what's Halloween without a spooky story? Storyteller Ray Christian joins us to share a creepy tale. Stay with us. It's Do South on WUNC.